Well, if any of you know me very well, you know that I love to do song rewrites. Especially taking songs that are really well known and kind of using their catchiness to tell stories of faith in a new way. Vacation Bible School during the summer, taking songs from Frozen and having them sing of the faith are especially fun, or other kind of Disney tunes. Don't tell Walt. Um, (laughs) Santa Claus is coming to town, that enduring tune about how kids are not allowed to have emotions that make adults feel uncomfortable, or they won't get presents for Christmas. All the while being watched by an overweight elf while they sleep. So my favorite, I must say. I have a rewrite on that one, Jesus Christ is coming to town. I won't share that with you now, but love to share that at preschool chapel around this time of year. And I would say the highlight of doing this was probably last year in the Christmas musical, um, getting to work with the Story family, um, Natalie especially, in taking some of those Broadway tunes and helping them to tell the Christmas story. But my sister recently sent me a link uh, where some podcasters on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast seem to have beat me to the punch this year. They did what I think is a beautiful, simple, profound rewrite of a song. In fact, the rewrite is so simple that all they did to change the meaning of the song was take out one of the words. One of those podcasters sings at the beginning of this, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but at the beginning of us, it's the most time of the year. (laughs) I don't know if you're following her, but this rewrite actually invites you to fill in that blank. There's a lot of most at this year, because no matter what we are feeling or experiencing this season, it's probably pretty magnified, right? I kind of got this vision of somebody, you know, of folks out driving and hearing, it's the most wonderful time of the year, And kind of yelling back at the radio, no, it's not. I've got five gifts to buy. And now I've got the secret Santa at work. And somebody just bought my kid a gift. And now I have to get them a gift. And maybe it's the most stressful time of the year. So that may vary in this season. But it's usually magnified, isn't it? It's the most happy time of the year, perhaps. I know a family who's celebrating a long-awaited wedding with other family and friends as they gather in the heat and the sunshine of Australia, where it's the most sunny time of the year. Hard for us to imagine here, isn't it, in the Northern Hemisphere? But it sure is. Christmas there, you have a picnic on the beach. How does that sound? (laughs) It's the most difficult time of the year. I know many people who are having a first Christmas with an empty seat at the table, where the love and memories, as well as the loss, are magnified in this time. It's the most connected time. It's the most loneliest time. Our own families had a roller coaster ride the last six weeks with the health with the health of one of our beloved. The times have been up and down and all over, but they've been certainly magnified. The feelings and experiences that we have around Christmas are valid, and they are magnified. The reality you are in right now is legitimate. It's real. Of course it is. 
And while much of what surrounds us tries to kind of pigeonhole us into a particular thing that we're supposed to experience or thing that we're supposed to feel, kind of force us into what we are supposed to, as if we have to be or, uh, or present in some way in order for Christmas to happen, that's actually obliterated by the real Christmas story. The astounding message of Christmas is that God breaks in to our reality, into this reality without waiting for us to be ready for it. Whatever ready for it looks like, I don't know what that looks like exactly. But God simply breaks in. And not just breaks in, but then also meets us exactly where we are. Whatever your fill-in-the-blank might be for the most time of the year, you are met by God this day in the flesh. Not from a distance, not just by a heavenly message of angels or some other heavenly message, but in the flesh, truly present with you. As the song we just sang says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This hit home for me as I looked this year. I tried to look with fresh eyes at this Christmas story. You know, it comes every year. It's the same message from Luke. And we look at it every year and we talk about it every year and we preach about it every year. But it wasn't, and so I looked at this from the message of the shepherds, but not the one I've heard preached on a thousand Christmas Eves and probably have myself, of how God shares the news of Jesus' birth, not with those in palaces, but with those in fields, with, with shepherds, with the lowly. Or how these smelly introverts from the fields are the first to share the message with the world after they leave the Christ child in Bethlehem. Those are true and they are beautiful messages. They tell us that, gosh, if they can hear the message, then it must be for us too. If they can share the message, my gosh, so can we. But I want you to notice this day what happens in between those two things. In between the proclamation of the angels to the shepherds, you know, at first in fear, but then filled with joy. Between that and when they go out to proclaim the message to the world. The shepherds come to Bethlehem and they share what they have seen and heard with Mary and with Joseph and with their family. Just a quick aside here, by the way, a little context. I know a lot of us have this image of a really nasty holiday inn owner turning the Holy Family away to some shed out in the back. But really this inn, this, this kind of return for the, for the census would have been coming to the family and the guest room was full and occupied so Mary and Joseph would have been put where the animals uh, are kind of connected to the house and where they give heat to the house. So there's a presence of a whole family there. Our, you know, our traditional kind of scenes of this are, are sort of these individuals stalwartly um, um, kind of having this child in a, in a barn. But, but really what this is, was this was a place that probably would have been surrounded by some extended family as this child was born. There are more folks present there. And as the shepherds come into that space, they share this good news. They share this message. 
On this holiest of days, God takes the time to meet even Mary where she is. This teenage new mother. Assuring her of the divine status of this birth. Maybe even assuring the family of the legitimacy of Mary and Joseph's story. The message becomes very specific for each one that receives it. Just as God has become very real and very specific and very tangible and apparently calling us right now. (laughs) As my good colleague, Pastor Bill, likes to say, or loves to say, I should say, Jesus is not just with us. He is for us. The Word speaks to us wherever we are. I want to share what Martin Luther said about this word, this, this message of the shepherds to Mary and to Joseph and probably to extended family around them. First, he quotes what we heard this day. And when they had seen it, the shepherds, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. He focuses in on that pondering that Mary, as Mary receives this message. He says, she wrote them in her heart, meditated upon them, and thought to herself, this is wonderful news that I am the mother of the child whom the angels call Lord. These thoughts sank so deeply into her heart that she would have held to them though the whole world were against her. Why did she ponder these things in her heart? Because she too was in need of a word of preaching Even though she was the mother and had borne the child, she had need to ponder these words in her heart in order to strengthen her faith and increase her assurance. She reflected how these words corresponded to those of the angel. He shall be great and shall be called Son of the Most High God. The message of the angels fit in exactly with with this annunciation by Gabriel. This was to her a great joy and confirmation. Without these, a human heart would have had difficulty in believing, I am the mother of the king of kings, lying here in a manger? There was nothing kingly about the babe, but Mary heard from the shepherds that he was the savior of the world and greater than all kings, and that she should be his mother and nurse him. The quality of faith in this virgin no words can express. If anyone has faith and thinks he knows enough, let him take a lesson from this mother, and let him assemble the passages of Scripture in order to confirm his faith. I remember a particular Christmas when the fill in the blank for me on the most time of the year wasn't very good. I had kind of given in to some family guilt, and I had traveled away from my wife, who was suffering from a long term illness, to be with my family of origin, and, and I knew in my heart it wasn't the right decision, and I was feeling really torn, and I was feeling sad, and I was feeling like there was a brick wall around my heart, and I didn't want Christmas that year. I sat up in the balcony because my mom was playing the organ. My dad was preaching. Yeah, I have a sister who's a pastor, a couple of uncles. It's kind of a disease in our family, but anyway. I was sitting up in that balcony kind of to be with my mom, but really, if I was honest with myself, because I didn't even want to be around people. 
such a good pastor you have here, right? Sitting away. And I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear the message. My fill-in-the-blank was not the most wonderful time of the year. And my dad said something from the pulpit that night. He probably said a lot of things, but he said something that the Holy Spirit brought and hammered away at that hard-heartedness of me that night and that I continue to hear every Christmas to this day. He said, Christmas comes, ready or not, like it or not. The Christ child has come to be with us this day. And so no matter what that fill-in-the-blank might be for you, that question that's up above us, does Christmas matter? In the final word of this night, we will hear that matter itself doesn't exist without Christ, that he is the creator of all things. But back down to earth and for us right now, I would say, does Christmas matter? Yes. Because whatever our fill-in-the-blank for the most time of the year might be, we can be assured of this. Not just this day, but every day. It's the most Christ-filled time of the year. May Christ fill your hearts this day and into the new year. Amen.